Well, as we begin this new year together, I want to invite you to hear that voice from heaven. Not just calling out aloud, uh, not just calling out to others, but even calling to you. So just join me, invite you to join me in a word of prayer as we uh, prepare to open up God's word and hear some reflections on it. God, we, excuse me, God, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Speak to us through your word, speak to you, speak to us through my reflections on it. We know we are not worthy to come and call you Father, that with our own limited eyes and ears we cannot see or hear, and yet, God, you speak to us anyway. Through your Holy Spirit, you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand, hands and feet to walk in action and obedience. And so in this, as we, in this first service of this new year, God, open up our hearts, our, our minds, and speak to us that we might hear, that we might receive what you have for us and leave in your power and, your obe- and in obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so as I said at the start of the service, as we start a new year, we're starting a new sermon series looking at all the things that God cares about. Over the past week or two weeks, hopefully you have enjoyed a little bit more rest than you might otherwise get at other times of the year. Kids are home from school. Jobs have provided at least a day or two days off with some extra statutory holidays. A little more rest to give you and us that time to reflect on the previous year, but also and especially to look forward to the year to come. Maybe this year, or maybe for as many years as you can remember, you've made some New Year's resolutions. Maybe some firm plans and ideas to say, this will be different this year. Or just a general plan or a general sense about what you want to pursue or where you want to go. As our sermon series, you can see behind me, is looking at all the things God cares about. We know, as Christians in the Reformed tradition, that God cares about everything. But as individuals, we easily look to our own lives to recognize areas, or we can easily look to our own lives and see areas where we don't consider God's care, where we don't consider God's instructions or God's desires. We simply go our own way. So this sermon series can help us do more than just care about setting some new priorities. We might set any number of new priorities this year. We might say, I want to improve my career, or I want to deal with my family in a better way. I want to work on my physical or emotional health. I want to improve my financial situation. Do you have plans for the future? Great. Did you make some New Year's resolutions? That's wonderful. But our gatherings as Christians are not based on our human plans, not even good human plans. Proverbs 16 reminds us that a person plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps or directs his steps. So as we think about all that God cares about, are we wondering together, we are wondering together, how does God want to direct our steps? 
As we start this morning, I'm going to read just a few verses from Joseph's story. You can find the story of Joseph in your Bibles. Uh, in Genesis, it begins at chapter 37 and continues on uh, past chapter 41, but that's where we're going to end today. And here, here are the verses that I want to read from chapter 37. God was with Joseph. From chapter 39, the start of chapter 39, God was with him. From the end of chapter 39, God was with Joseph. From chapter 40, the Lord was with Joseph. And from chapter 41, the Lord was with him in all that he did. I could have done that several ways. We could have spent 15 minutes reading all of those events of Joseph's life. All his growing up, his teenage years, his big dreams and big talent, the rash and foolish things he did, how he was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt, mistreated by his master's wife and then thrown in jail again, or even there, God was with him. But the theme of Joseph's story and the theme of Joseph's life that Genesis wants us to know is not really Joseph. It's the verses that I read for us, that God, the Lord, was with him. If you do, and I would encourage you when you go home, if you do take time and read through Genesis chapters 37 through 41, it won't take too long, you'll see an interesting thing, especially if you're a fiction writer or have aspirations of being a writer. You'll see that the text doesn't give us any indication about Joseph's emotional state or what's going on inside Joseph. It tells us that Joseph had a dream that God gave him. He had a dream about his brothers and parents bowing down to him. And it tells him that Joseph's brothers hated him because of that dream. Then it tells us that Joseph's father sent him out to the fields to be with his older brothers, where they, they were angry with him. They decided they want to murder him, changed their minds, threw him in a pit, and then later sold him into slavery. The brothers tricked Jacob, Joseph's father, into thinking that Joseph was dead. The story goes on and tells us about jo Jacob's grief over the supposed death of his son. And then about Joseph, the Lord being with Joseph in the Egyptian household where Joseph was a slave. It tells us about the desire of Potiphar, uh, Potiphar's wife, uh, Joseph's Egyptian master. And how Joseph, or how Joseph was betrayed and thrown in jail again. We hear about Potiphar's reaction when his wife fa falsely accuses Joseph of assaulting her. And we watch Joseph being thrown in jail. But through the whole story, we, we know nothing about Joseph's inner life. We know that he was well-built and handsome, but only really as a plot point because Potiphar's wife was attracted to him. The only thing we hear about Joseph is that God was with him. If this was a story about Joseph as a person, in other words, if the purpose of this story was to tell us the story of Joseph, 
we would no doubt learn more about his inner thoughts, about his character, the reasons he did, the things that he did. But in many ways, this is not a story about Joseph. It's the theme of Joseph's life, his whole life from youth to adulthood is the same. God was with Joseph. God gave Joseph the dreams. God protected Joseph when his brothers wanted to kill him. God made Joseph prosper in, even uh, in this, as a slave in the house of Potiphar in Egypt. Then when Joseph was betrayed, God went with him into jail and helped him to flourish even there too. Over the course of a lifetime, we will all see God at work if we're watching, if God gives us eyes to see. One of the reasons God gives us his word is so that we can learn about his faithfulness and goodness to others throughout the course of their whole lifetimes. Not just so that we can see and know God and his goodness and his faithfulness, but also so that we can avoid or skip unnecessary suffering and struggles and pain in our own lives by seeking God's leading and provision in our situations sooner rather than later. We all make our own plans. We all have our own hopes. And in so many ways, all of us live for our own purposes. Those sentences, those ideas are not, surprise, are not surprises to any of us who live in Western culture. But the idea that each of us and all of us make our own plans and live for our own purposes is one of the greatest problems that the Old Testament identifies. The book of Judges comments regularly throughout this cycle of sin and selfishness and suffering and deliverance, that in those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's seen to be a problem, a big problem. Likewise, later in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah is looking forward in hope to the Messiah, the light we just sang about. He writes with sadness, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And as a result, as a consequence, the Lord has laid on him all of our iniquity. Western culture imagines that the greatest freedom that we have is to do our own thing and to go our own way, to set resolutions for ourselves and then to keep them or to decide not to keep them. But friends, brothers and sisters, we are not powerful enough to be able to direct the course of history, nor to direct the course of an organization nor even the course of our own lives. At least we are not powerful enough to ensure that our desired outcome always actually happens. It's not that we have no power. It's not that we have no say. We just aren't as in control as is necessary to fully determine the course of our lives for good or for evil. Joseph's story, among so many others in the Bible and in history, reminds us that we too are victimized by siblings. We too are abandoned by unjust systems. Lies are told about us, and we suffer as a result. 
So much in our lives happens without our planning and outside of our control or will. We are not powerful enough nor wise enough to perfectly shape our lives toward only positive outcomes. This is why each year, each day, we're always starting from a bad situation. And it's not always bad per se, but perhaps just less than ideal. There's always two key limiting factors to our resolutions and our desires, our plans as people. First, we're not only not powerful enough, as I just said, to change every part of our situations. Some things are out of our control. But even the good things that we do, our good attempts are still affected by sin at work within us. So even the things we can control and the things we do uh, take responsibility for don't always turn out the way we hope or desire. Second, we're always beginning from an imperfect starting point. We're always starting from behind. We maybe, maybe this year you said, I want to work on my health. But already you or I are less healthy or less strong than you want to be. Maybe you've said you want to work on family relationships. But maybe that's because you're starting from a place of hurt or dysfunction or even just distance that makes that work all the harder. On and on it goes. Anytime we want to change something in our lives, it's usually because we're a certain way down the road and we want to change directions or even turn around. We not only have to work within that situation, we have to work against the momentum that got us into that situation. In response to our circumstances, I just invite you to reflect for a moment on the proliferation of specialists in our society. Everywhere outside the church, everywhere in our uh, world and in our culture, we all see this. We take it for granted. We, this is normal. This is the way that things go. I found out this fall that as a part of your Alberta Health Services, you can talk to a nutritionist if you want, an expert on dieting. You can not only start a course for physical strength or movement, you can get a personal trainer or coach. You can meet with a psychologist or counselor, an expert in the field to help you personally or as a family work through stresses or patterns of difficult behavior. You can hire a job coach to help you improve your work situation or even strengthen your business. You can hire a financial advisor to help with saving or investment. Everywhere in our society, we have the opportunity to hire and look to specialists to give us tools to reverse the momentum that has got us to the place where we don't want to be. If we want to improve in certain areas of our lives, we recognize that we need not only our own personal motivation, but we benefit from the help of an expert or a guide. For Christians, we can celebrate that God has given humanity understanding and expertise in all kinds of areas of life. And we can look with joy and thankfulness to others and benefit from their, area, from their expertise, from their understanding in different areas of life. 
But the center of Christianity is not about trying to be good people, trying to excel in one or all areas of life. The center of Christianity is relationship with a real and living God. Jesus instructs us to love God with all our hearts and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So the key question for Christians as we consider any particular area of our lives where we want to make a change or an improvement is not just to consider that area, but to consider that area in light of our relationship with God and in light of God's expertise in that area, in light of God's expertise in all of life. And so as we continue in this series in the weeks to come, we're going to look at some specific situations. We're going to look at how, we, how God cares about our money, how God cares about our jobs, how God cares about our family relationships, our energy, our exhaustion, how God cares about our relationships with our friends and with his people here in our church. But this morning, we're focusing especially on beginning. How do we make the transition from relying only on ourselves, only on our own wisdom and experience, to looking to God for his wisdom and insight in every area of our lives? There's two places we can always go as God's people. First, we can start with God's word, and second, we can start with God's world. Christians can always open up the Bible, God's word, and look and listen to what God has to say to us. Sometimes uh, January starts and some of us feel the pressure to read the Bible in a year. If you're a reader, you might be able to do it. You might be able to get through the whole thing in a year. But for many of us, this big goal just creates a lot of stress. We get behind and then we speed read just in order to accomplish the goal itself. But the Bible reveals God's character, God's faithfulness, God's love. The Bible, as the passage I read this morning, reminds us in each and every situation that God was with Joseph, that God was with his people. And so if we want to read the Bible... We shouldn't begin by trying to know what the Bible says, although that is a good goal. We should begin by trying to know the God who the Bible reveals. Do you know the God who the Bible talks about? Jesus reminds his disciples that uh, even the demons know God, but they shudder. God doesn't want us just to to have read his word. God wants us to know the God who his word reveals. He wants us to love him, to know him, and to be transformed by him. So whether you read a small section or a large section of scripture, whether you read it twice a day or twice a week or twice a month, If you're starting with God's word, ask yourself, what does this story, this passage, what does this tell me about God? If and when you read Genesis 37 to 41, the one thing more than anything else you'll see is that God was with Joseph. 
What does that tell you about God? What does that tell you about who God was to Joseph? Who God was to his people in the Old Testament and who God might be to you? Even and perhaps consider God's commandments. More and more these days we think of the Old Testament, which is about two-thirds of the Bible, as being full of laws and regulations. And we in general are people who don't love rules or laws or regulations. But the same Hebrew word that almost always is translated as law in English can also be translated as instruction or teaching. We all know that we have free will. No matter what scripture says, no matter what God says, God doesn't limit our free choice. He allows us still to make our own choices and decisions and even to deal with the consequences of our actions to a degree. But what if instead of considering the Old Testament as being full of God's laws, which it is, you thought instead of Scripture as God's expert teaching given to you freely for you to apply to your own life? This expert teaching from God, who is an expert in every area of life, is not free. It's simply provided at no cost to you. It's provided to you because Jesus paid the price. Not $9.99 a month or $129 a year, but his whole life. What if you took God's word and applied it to your life as expert coaching advice, expert teaching, expert instruction, and wondered how you might apply it in the various areas of your life and of your need and the various places where you want to grow. The second place we can start looking is by engaging God in his world. Christians can, and this is speaking very generally, but Christians can break our lives in the world into three areas. We worship, we learn, and we act. The perfect Christian, the perfect follower of Jesus, will engage with God in different kinds of worship and meditation. He will eagerly seek and seek God and humbly learn about God in everything he reads in every area of his life. She will seek God's directions and follow God's instructions in every action that she takes. We know that we are not perfect people. We are not that perfect person. God may be unlimited, but we are not. And so as we begin a new year and we begin with new hopes and plans, we can begin working in one place. We can begin working in one part of our lives. Check your heart this morning. Where is it that you want to begin? Maybe it's the easiest, or it seems like the best, or maybe it seems like the most necessary part of your life where you need to experience God and understand better how he wants to influence and, influence and prioritize your life. Maybe for you, it is worship. Maybe you love to gather with others to sing and to pray, to hear a message. 
Maybe you enjoy spending time with God in private meditation and prayer, marveling at God's holiness, his power, and his goodness. Maybe you want to focus in worship on how God wants to shape your priorities. Maybe it's in your learning. Maybe you like to sit in classes or you sit in your career and wonder in awe, how could God make such things possible? Or maybe you like to learn more about creation or history and wonder at how God could put all these things together with such beauty and such sustainability despite so many challenging situations in humanity's history. Maybe you want to begin with action. You love moving, you love serving, you love helping, whether it's sports or activities like outdoor skiing or hiking. Maybe it's walking around the city and meeting new people in business. Whether it's developing a more ethical approach to your career or your field or networking with people who you see on a regular basis. How does God want to shape your priorities in that part of your life. You see, these are all things that God cares about. The awe and wonder of being a diverse community is that even, <clears throat> excuse me, even with all our passions and interests, even with all our different positions and amounts of power in society, even with our different cultures and socioeconomic groups, we, are, we all still know and experience only part of God and only part of his world. God knows and experiences all. He knows everything about this world he created and that he sustains. And he loves it. He knows everything that there is to know about you, who he also created, whom he also sustains. And he loves you, too. Just as God was with Joseph as a child, in the house of his master, even in jail, so also God is with you too. God invites you to know and experience him in a multiple multitude of places, in all the places and among all the things that God cares about. God is unlimited. He can begin to work with you and within you in any place and in every place. But we are limited. We can't do everything at once. We can't change every situation we find ourselves in. But we can seek and discern God's learning as individuals and as a community. God's leading, excuse me, as individuals and as a community. We can start. So as we close in prayer this morning, I'm just going to create some space for you to wonder where you will start. What's the one place where you will start and ask yourself, how does God show himself to me here? What does God want to teach me in this situation? How does God want me to act when I'm doing this, when I'm focused on that? Let's come to God in prayer and ask him together. Please pray with me. God, as we start this new year, this is the last possible Sunday that we could have gathered together and have it still be the first Sunday of the year. It's already January 7. 
God, as we gather for worship and we have a, fully have a foot in this new year, we celebrate that you did not wait for us to come to you, but you have been leading and guiding our lives. You have been caring for us, not just this year, but all of our lives. Just as you were with Joseph, you have been with us too. You have been near to us. So God, as we gather together, open our hearts that we might wonder how you want to show yourself to us, what you want to teach us, how you want us to act, how you want to shape our lives. God, speak to our hearts even just in a few moments of silence. God, as we begin this new year, we thank you that you have already gone ahead of us, that you are near to us, and that you give us this day and this morning to be near also to one another. Continue to lead us and speak to us and guide us, empower us by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are among us. All the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.